This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. You're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go beyond the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Philip C. Today, we speak to Mina Rahman, President of Sahabat Alam Malaysia, about the controversial Penang South Island Reclamation Project that has been dominating news headlines nationally as we get the perspective of the NGOs about this project. Good morning, Mina. Give us a sense of the size and scale of this project. Well, we're talking about, at this moment, from three islands, it has been scaled down to one island. It started off with 4,500 acres uh, for three islands, and it is now 2,300 acres for one island. And I always like to put it in perspective because people don't understand what 2,300 acres is. Imagine football fields. A football field is like an acre. So imagine 2,300 acres of football fields in the sea. So this is literally what we're talking about. It's huge, it's massive. And it's taking place in um, the south of Penang Island, which is, and, and the Environmental Impact Assessment acknowledges that it's an environmentally sensitive area with mudflats, coral reefs. You even have turtle landings there. People have seen dolphins there. And, and so fishermen have their livelihoods there. So it, you can say that it's one of the nice parts of Penang where, where you have villages and kampongs and you have the sea and we got a lovely place there. And this is where this massive reclamation is going to happen. And they're going to dump something like 102 million cubic meters of sand, which are going to be also mined from other parts of Penang and even Perak. So lots of environmental impact. And the fact that it's taking place in the sea, people won't be able to see it, but you can see what's happening on the on, on the surface. But under, under the sea is something that won't be visible to us. I mean, when you explain this project, it's a seismic and huge project and undertaking. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of discussions and considerations and investment evaluations were done leading to the project. You were mentioning just now that the project was scaled down and halved its size from three to one islands. Uh, give us a sense about the history of this project. When did this idea of reclaiming three islands come to fruition? Has this been something that just came out in the past two, three years, or has it been in the making for a very long time? Oh, it's been in the making for a long time. It was actually a consortium of companies. I think it was really led by Gamuda. And um, this was in 2015 already, this, I, this idea was conceived. So they submitted an EIA sometime in 2017. It got rejected and then they revised it and they did a, a new EIA in 2019. And that was approved, but it got challenged by a group of fishermen. And, and it was um, it, during that challenge through a, an appeal board process under the Environmental Quality Act. You know, so there was a legal point that was made, a technical issue in relation to something that if you want, I can get into, but I don't think I have the time. So that was declared as a not valid. And then they had to resubmit. And therefore, this is why we are where we are. And that was approved. A fresh EIA was approved or revised EIA, as they call it, was approved in 11th April 2023. And then that whole uproar. By the way, it's a conditional approval, mm. 71 conditions. So it's not just a blanket approval. And when, and what, what you have to notice, actually, it was initially touted as a funding model that you reclaim these islands and then it's a funding model for the Penang Transport Master Plan, particularly the LRT. 
the light rail transit for Penang to address its woes, transport woes. And I think the uh, what was important was the federal government with the prime minister himself, Datu Sri Anwar Ibrahim. He basically said, let's have the federal fund the, uh, cons- the building of, I mean, the LRT. So there was actually no rationale anymore for the, 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 the master, I mean, so for the island itself, for the island. So there was a, he actually, the prime minister actually talked about a review and a scale down. And uh, what the state government has done is to just scale it down. There hasn't been a big review. So they're sticking to the 2,300 acres and they want to carry on with it. And although there is no rationale at the moment, they talk about needing the island for the LRT depot. They say they need 60 acres of land. You can't find it on the island. But if you need 60 acres, why are you building 2,300 acres? Mm. And then they claim that they are actually needing it for expansion of the industrial area for Penang, for Bayan Lepas. Because as you know, they claim that Penang Island is very limited in land. You can't build on the hills. So therefore, we need new land. And so what we keep stressing is that Penang is not Singapore. We are also have the mainland and the chief minister's own vision has been that you need to have more development in Penang, Sabarang Prai, where they call it on the mainland. And he himself has admitted there is 12,000 hectares of land available there. And it's available now. You don't have to reclaim it. So if you want to do any industrial expansion, you can do it there. There's no problem with connectivity because we have two bridges. So absolutely no justification. You have alternative land for industrial development. You have the federal government funding the transport master plan. So what we are we are clearly seeing is that the consortium, right from the very beginning, wanted a, the islands for reclamation per se. So it wasn't really about the funding for transport or the alternative development, but this is how it has been sold to the public. And this is why we are saying, since you don't need it now, there are alternatives. So as I always say, why don't we have a win-win-win so that you know you don't really need this, what we are calling it fantasy island, because we don't see the justification right. for it. It's just some money-making big profit venture for a particular consortium of companies so this is what it is it, it is what it is and I, I think it's very interesting that in this in, in when you explain it right the whole narrative of how multiple EIAs were submitted but what struck me in your insights just now was how very much that these development projects are interlinked to public transport master plans how a lot of this big investment projects are linked to supporting state federal governments in their public coffers that's a big problem isn't it when people start coupling it together that oh in in return of allowing to do this project then we'll be able to get the public transport master plan in place shouldn't we have decoupled it in the first place absolutely i don't i think this is really the problem and uh, here i do not know to what extent like i said it wasn't conceived initially for that purpose i think along the way it became coupled and the problem with that is that um, and and because at that time the federal government was not the unity government and so the Penang government actually was looking for funds. So this came in the way and said, hey, you know, so why don't we connect it? So this is the problem. But, you know, I mean, you're going to, the project itself, even this Island A is supposed to take about 10 to 15 years for, of reclamation. And then, you know, even the recouping of money and how do you then finance? I mean, all that is economically actually is a lot of um, up in the air. 
I mean, the just the the economic viability. Even then, the whole transport master plan from initial, uh, you know, 26 billion and so on, now is inflated to 46 billion. The LRT is supposed to cost 10 billion, and then who's going to pay for this? How long is it going to pay? I mean, it's just a lot of e- issues there. But now that the unity government has said that we will take care of the LRT or even relook at the entire LRT, because Anthony Lok, the Minister of uh, Transport himself, has said that we're not stuck to the uh, alignment or the uh, project project idea that came from the consultants, they will need to re-look at it, which is really important because we also don't think that you need 60 acres for an LRT depot and therefore conceive a massive reclamation. The point is we need the transport problems resolved now. We can't wait for 15, 20 years so the issue really is that one of urgency. And now that you have the federal funding, so let's just scale down our ambition in terms of massive, mega, big, uh, you know, billion dollar projects and really, really look at it in a way that can be much cheaper, better and faster. And- I mean, I hope hopefully we this is the direction towards decoupling it. But it comes back still to the core problem that when it did come out that they were subscaling it, but the LRT was going to be in place. It's It feels like a collective negotiation that took place. But Sahaba Alam, among the whole collective of the NGOs, are still against scaling down the, 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 the reclamation from three to one island having it, I presume that the environmental impact is not half of the impact, right? It's still going to be sizable. Give us a sense and scale about how different the environmental impact will be with three islands versus the scaled down one island. Yeah, just to say that, just to put it in context, we are about scrapping the project. We're not about scaling down. Um, yeah, you were talking about 2,300 acres. And like I said, you still have large volumes of sand. It's still an environmentally sensitive area. And when the chief minister said, oh, now we are going to be only affecting 115 fishermen compared to 450 fishermen, I think it's a it's a game of numbers. It's not 115 fishermen only because he's talking about the 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 unit the, the the fishing unit that is going to be affected immediate immediately. But it's a very it's much larger than that. The Penang South Reclamation, I mean the Penang Persatuan Nelayan Kawasan Selatan, which is the South Fishermen Association, they have about 3,000 members, and they say that over 2,000 of them are actually from that area. Now, the claim that the immediate uh, number has been reduced doesn't hold water, literally, because the impacts are going to be felt much larger. Because the Director General of Environment um, in 2019, when the the EIA was um, approved, himself had said in a letter to the government that what you're going to be doing, this project is actually going to be uh, destroying, he said, uh, it's going to be destroying environmentally sensitive areas like the mudflats, like the coral reefs, like the fish ground, it will threaten food security, and it will also, then these areas are irreplaceable. They're permanently lost forever. So this dumping of earth and the reclamation project itself is going to affect the wider area in the South Island. So the fishing ground is affected. I mean, we looked at the where the mudflats are, the island, the so-called Island A that they're talking about will still be impacting these environmentally sensitive areas. Mm-hmm. So to us, the scale 
scaling down just will have the massive impact as well. And so we do need to take stock of this. We are not convinced that the scaling down will reduce the impact. There will be impacts nevertheless, the fundamental of which is the loss, permanent loss of fish breeding ground. And so this, and then they say, oh, you know, we're going to have some ecology offset program. This is like saying, and, and you know, somebody, it's like saying, oh, you've got good teeth. Let's take out your good teeth and put in some implants and saying, oh, you'll be fine with your implant. I mean, this is a crazy idea, right? If you have a, an environmentally natural ecosystem, instead of protecting that, you're sacrificing it for some unjustifiable reason. And then you're saying we're going to offset it with some funding for coral reef protection, or we're going to plant mangroves somewhere else, and we're going to recreate. And all of that is experimental. It's mm-hmm. totally experimental. They're playing with experiments. is speculative. The success rate is not even assured. So why do this? This is why it's it's mind-boggling to us and actually quite, quite horrifying. We're heading into some messages and when we come back, we continue our discussion with Mina Rahman from Sahabat Alam Malaysia about the Penang South Island project. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Thanks for staying tuned to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Today on the show, we speak to Mina Rahman from Sahabat Alam Malaysia about the Penang South Island project. Amina, can I get your perspective right on how the media has been covering the story? What's your assessment? Has it been biased or balanced? Now, first, uh, first, we need to correct the perception that, you know, the PSI is a branding by the consortium. They want to take away the toxic reclamation. So from PSR, it becomes PSI. So you take away the reclamation sting, right? So that's one PR exercise. So there was this, it depends on which media. I, I can't go public with which media, but there's one media that is particularly very pro the consortium. They don't cover our our statements, the, the the civil society or the fishermen statements. We had a massive mobilization just over last week, last Sunday. Not one single word in that particular media. It was an English daily, a leading English daily, because mm-hmm. they get sponsorship from the consortium. So you have the the consortium actually, con, uh, in a sense, influencing the media narrative in that context. But there's a larger media, both in the social media and the other mainstream medias, both Milbasa, Chinese, and also even the Tamil, um, you know, and, and, and English, which have been covering, giving us a lot of coverage. But I think it's not so visible in the Klang Valley. But I think over, in the last, few one month there's been front page coverage That's of right. this and i think this prob- the reason for this is probably because of the forthcoming elections the state elections are happening penang is one of them i guess this has become a political issue um, because the at 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 um, con- at contest would actually be whether this project and the controversy around it will have any impact on the outcome of the state elections so i suppose for that reason this has now gained uh, prominence, uh, yeah. Yeah, prominence in, here in the Klang Valley. And, and it's fair to yeah. say, yes, you know, we in Klang Valley, we are starting to see this, you know, escalate and heat up quite a lot. I'm quite intrigued to get your perspective on social media, right? And how the digital platforms are also driving the conversations with respect to this reclamation project. Do you see the youth, the younger audience, you know, pay attention to this? Or is this more the domain of the older uh, generation of Penangites that are very very unhappy with the current situation and and some would argue would say they prefer status quo. 
Yeah, it's very hard to say because um, I think the, the first thing is that the propaganda machinery, let's call it that, I mean, we call it that, from the state government and the consortium has been very, very big. They have the financial might that we don't have. Just to give you an example, the, the, whole, the whole notion of the island reclamation was projected as bringing jobs to Penang. Thousands of jobs, you know, we don't have jobs now. So it sort of attracts the young, right? And you have one or two social media that goes around with young people saying, oh, we need this expansion, but they don't look at the real details of it. Nobody has the time to go into the details like we do in civil society. Mm. We study it, we go into the depths of it. So when you have the, the consortium itself hit out at us and saying we are anti-development, people buy that narrative. Oh, these are the usual civil society or anti-development. And by the way, we have to correct the, the, the perception. This is not development, it's destruction. Why is it when we critique it from a perspective of public interest, it is viewed as anti-development. Mm -hmm. But when we say we are actually interested in the development of Sabarang Prai for the expansion of the jobs there, we are saying you can give get jobs. People can go to Sabarang Prai to for the job opportunities. So that's not denying. And then we are saying that we do need to address the public transport today and mm -hmm. we have alternatives. So that's positive as well. But uh, this whole spin that we are anti-development and you know this is the usual and there was also this propaganda uh, on social media which prompted some people you know unsuspectingly to say oh there seems to be a split in the fishing community there was this picture of two, two videos tiktoks of um, one woman and one man a Malay saying how wonderful this is like a Hari Raya gift it's such mm -hmm. a wonderful thing so these are you know the consortium actually praying or victimizing poor people who are willing to actually speak um, and saying this is good without actually looking at the larger issue and they're not even the genuine people who are affected. But what's interesting, Mina, is, you know, you say that the message and narrative spun by the consortium is that you guys are anti-development. But what's very interesting in the recent press releases is that they are playing also the victim card, isn't it? They are saying that they are a victim of the lack of integrity of the process, they're a victim of intimidation by NGOs who are hassling them at the center they are victim of the lack of due process and due diligence of the pro of the EIA process. You know, what's your take about how they have spun the narrative to portray themselves as the victim of this whole injustice that has been inflicted on them? It's quite laughable, actually. And just to say, it's not just them, it's also the state government. Um, we heard the Penang State Exco, one of them, saying that this, they're the usual protesters. They've been protesting the bridge. They've been protesting this. I mean, it's really it's really wrong because, uh, you know, you remember Mr. Lim Kitsiang, the party, the DAP, uh, you know, Know, maestro himself, he objected to the North-South Highway many years ago, but did they, many, many years ago, so did they even look at that? And it's not just that we are all, you know, we saved Penang Hill from a major destruction and everybody is thankful to us for that. But just to come back to the point, you're right. I mean, how can big companies promote, project themselves as being victim? They're not, not victim. So this is why in our response, we came to say, first, if you look at who is the victim here, um, if you look at it from the standpoint of the consortium, they stand to benefit. They are with vested interest. They have billions of profit and motive to gain from. We as civil society have nothing to gain from. We are, we are, you know, not resourced uh, sufficiently. And, you know, we are in the public interest. So we know we don't have any private interest. So when you have, you know, corporations coming and saying they are victims and projecting themselves as victims, it's really laughable because they are not about, this is not about 
about public interest. It's about private interest. Now, then on the EIA and the, the environmental integrity of that process. Now, we, we took part in that process. And this is why it's be, becoming, be, becoming very contentious, because despite all the arguments that were raised, just to give you one example of that, you know, they did a sample, the social impact assessment done by in the, in the EIA. The, they claimed that they only did a, a survey of 346 fishermen or 342 fishermen or something like that. Such a small sample size for a largely large 2,000, 3,000 fishermen who will be impacted with a wider area. And then you take that small sample size and then you say 78% or 76% or 93% of those who have been, you know, interviewed agree with the project. The sampling is so small. Mm -hmm. And we pointed this out in the EIA process. And the response is, no, no, we still stick by our survey. We stick by the sample. So it uh, becomes a numbers game. And this is where I think the is, is, is uh, really mis mischievous and devious because this is not a numbers game. When you have the State Fishermen's Association, which is called Pan Mutiara, representing the 6,000 fishermen for the entire state, both Sabarang and Penang Island, and um, 2,000 of which are affected by the Penang South Island reclamation. And they have been against this and they have they intervened in the EIA process. They gave their views. They wrote to the state government. They refused to take part in the discussions of the state government about compensation because they said this is not about compensation. It's about our livelihood. We do not agree with all your ecology offset because we don't believe it. All of this, all of this has been on the sidelines. Nobody pays attention to that. So they justify it. Then you call this integrity. I mean, this is really, you know, no, no, nowhere near integrity. It's manipulation of the facts and it's an exaggeration. And so who is the victim here? That was Mina Rahman from Sahabat Alam Malaysia about the Penang South Island project. This has been Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. Coming up next is the 10 a.m. News Bulletin, followed by Enterprise, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.